from their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Yes, indeed, it is the Boomer the Babe Show, and I'm Pete Peters. Deborah Brown is, as they say, in the big-time broadcasting industry. She is on assignment. She is working with some of our uh, authors and uh, book publishers, uh, and we're working to get some of their books out and uh, try to hustle some books out before the holidays actually hit so maybe people can give them as gifts. So she's not going to be able to be with us today. Uh, this is the Boomer and the Babe Show. I am Pete Peters, and uh, we invite you all to go to boomerandthebabe.com, see everything else that we're involved in beyond just this radio show. We have several people that also have other shows on our little network, our Boomer and the Babe network, as we call it, that is on the Blog Talk platform. So we invite you to find them, listen to them, and maybe get some good information from them as well. Uh, Today, uh, also one other thing, when you go to the uh, boomerandthebabe.com, sign up for our email list and you will receive our online magazine, Boomer Experience Speaks, and uh, you'll get that about every four to six weeks in your inbox, absolutely no charge. Many of the people that have uh, written articles in that publication have been on our show as guests or have their own show on the uh, on the Boomer the Babe Network. It's too bad Deborah's not here today, and the reason being is we have a, a, a wonderful lady as a guest, Jan Karpman, who is author of a book, Directional Sense. Um, she has written this book, Directional Sense, How to Find Your Way Around, and Deborah needs it. Deborah is, uh, a, as she says, direct, dire, directionally challenged. She can't find her way out of a phone booth, as she says. Uh, so it's too bad that she's not going to be here to talk to Jan. Maybe Jan could help her out. But nonetheless, we'll have the replays, and so will you. But uh, right now, I'd like to welcome to the show Jan Cartman. How are you today? I'm great, Pete. It's great to be with you. Well, thank you for being here. Um, as I mentioned, you heard me mention it, that Deborah is directionally challenged. Uh, she calls herself the queen of the U-turn. Uh, it, it's something that she is, and, and I will. I remember when we lived on the coast. I would say to her, "Remember when you're going towards Los Angeles, the ocean is on your left. When you're going back to San Diego, the ocean is on your right." She goes, "Huh?" <laughs> so uh, I'm sure that's probably something that you certainly have had uh, seen people experiencing. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, why don't you tell us how you got interested in? the directional business and a little bio on Jan Cartman and uh, other than starting out as a very young child, uh, what have you done in the past? Okay, well actually I, I want to start it uh, when I was a young child and this won't go on for hours so so don't worry, uh, but that's when I had my first memorable experience being lost. So let me tell you a little bit about that. Um, I was on a family trip to the beach. I was I think three years old and I was very independent even even at three and I decided, without telling anybody, to take off on my own along a boardwalk. I can still see it. Lots of pretty rainbow-colored striped cabanas all in a row. But the thing is, they all looked alike. And soon I couldn't tell where I was, and I, you know, I started crying. Um, I remember a very nice woman in a banana-colored 
yellow bathing suit leading me back to my mother, who was, of course, frantic. And something about the experience stuck with me. Even as a toddler, I felt the frustration of not being able to find my way. So fast forward, I'm a consultant to large organizations working to make their buildings easier for people to find their way around, um, including complex places like hospitals, museums, airports, even parking garages, you know, the kind of, kind of places all of us go to every day. But they need to be more user-friendly so visitors like you and me and Deborah don't get lost, aren't late, uh, and don't end up so stressed out that they don't come back. And what we do is we plan what's called wayfinding systems, including signs, maps, landmarks, to help people get where they're going, even if they're first-timers, like the three-year-old I was on the boardwalk. So one day, wearing my mom hat, I drove a car full of kids and the teacher on a school field trip. The teacher whispered to me, really embarrassed, that she herself, like Deborah, um, didn't want to drive because she always had so much trouble finding her way to new places. And a little bell went off in my brain, and I thought, aha, I bet I can learn a lot from her. So I paid really close attention. We drove a long way, uh, and she was amazed that I could do the things that I thought everybody could do, including following somewhat sketchy directions, recovering from wrong turns, and most incredible of all, as far as she was concerned, I could easily reverse the route and stay the course for the 90-minute trip back to school. So while she was the first directionally challenged person I knew of, I realized that there had to be others. So I interviewed her and her directionally challenged husband and started asking around. And when I did that, I discovered many people, including some of my very own friends and relatives, who experienced this consistent difficulty and frustration finding their way. I heard lots of stories of attempts, their attempts to navigate everyday places, and I knew that I could help teach them how to do this. And that was the inspiration for our book, Directional Sense. It's, it's amazing how many people are indeed uh, directionally challenged. Um, I, for one, am very, very fortunate, and I must have gotten this from my father. Um, my late father would be somebody that you could take into uh, this middle of the city, I swear, blindfolded, turn, blindfolded, turn him around three times, take all the blindfolds off, and he would find his way back home. Uh, and that was one of the keys when we knew that he was suffering from uh, Alzheimer's dementia, and that is when he said to me in California, are we going south? And I said, no, Dad, we're going east. Uh, and that was one of the keys because that was that was a mainstay of his being was his ability to find himself anywhere without a map. He just huh. had that map in his head. Yep. And I'm I'm also blessed with it. I mean, I have the same situation. Uh, I'll never forget the time we were in San, up in San Francisco uh, on business, and Deborah and I, it was the middle of the night, uh, not the middle of the night, but we wanted to go out and get something. I don't remember what it was. We knew where, I knew where it was. We knew where we were. We tried to get there, and the road, for some reason, was the main thoroughfare. It was blocked, and I got off the main thoroughfare, back up in through a, a subdivision, bobbing and weaving, zigging and zagging, and came out, lo and behold, almost right into the parking lot of the place we wanted to be. Yeah. And she says, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, I just did it. Because <laughs> I know that once I get off that road, and if I turn to the left off that road and proceed in the same direction I was, that road will always be there on my right. I mean, that just that's innate to me. 
just like the oceans on your left going to L.A. and the oceans on your right going to San Diego. But that's something that some people can't remember, I guess, or cannot picture. Uh, is do you find that to be the case? Yes, you're you're absolutely right. And and before I tell you about about one person I know who had a similar experience, I need to tell you, um, and this may not be surprising to your listeners, that often someone with a great sense of direction is married to someone who is directionally challenged. That that is frequently it doesn't matter which whether it's the husband or wife who's one or the other, but frequently that's the case, and and it leads to um, amazement, like you described, and and what we call front seat discussions <laughs> when oh, people yes. are yes. Oh my gosh! When yes. people when people are going there. Well, let me let me tell you a, a similar story sure, sure. about about a woman named Caroline um, who lived in Chicago. And one night, um, she was on her way to an event, and she knew the route. She had driven it many times. She knew how long it would take. She left just barely enough time to make it. And along the way, there was a major accident with ambulance lights lights flashing, police cars blocking the road. Uh, And since the accident had very recently occurred, there wasn't any time for the police or the emergency crews to put up nice detour signs or anything like that. And there was no time for her to prepare to, to get directions or, or um, information in advance. So she just had to figure out what to do and how to go. Um, she also had a GPS in her phone, which a lot of us have these days. But it was dark, and she was in a hurry, and she didn't want to stop and program it. Um, fortunately, her husband had given her a copy of our book, Directional Sense, um, and she had read about understanding spatial layouts, and that's what you were talking about, Pete, when when you were when you were saying that. Um, so while she had never done this before, that night, like you, she predicted how taking a particular road she was unfamiliar with would lead her to another road she knew well. And for her, this was kind of like jumping off a cliff. Okay, sure, she sure. really, really didn't know if she could do that. But something else that she did that was helpful was she paid close attention to what was going on around her and saw that most of the other cars were making the same detour. So she held her breath, crossed her fingers that weren't holding on to the steering wheel, and she took a chance. By understanding the big picture of how the roads related to each other, how they were connected from reading directional sense, Caroline was able to get to the event only a few minutes late and feel really proud of herself for coping with a wayfinding emergency all on her own. So so it's possible. You know, people do some people like your like your dad who could find his way anywhere are are naturally good at this. It didn't mean that he didn't have to learn it, which he did. Um but other people are not naturally good at it, but they can learn it. And that's something that, that Caroline figured out in the you know, in a pinch. She summoned the information and, and she thought really hard about which way the roads went and looked around and saw other people were doing the same thing and by golly, she did it too. So I think it's a it's a good a good lesson to, to people who think I can't navigate i can't find my way around anywhere i'm so frustrated and i'll never be able to do it that's that's the idea that we want to to turn around pun intended here is that you may have trouble now but this is something that you can learn to do well it's it's amazing uh when 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 deborah's getting ready to go someplace 
that she's never been before. I mean, it's it's MapQuest. It's driving directions. Go here, turn right. Go there, turn left. And that's the way she has to have it. I can't. If I write them out for her and I say to her, uh, go to 27th Avenue, turn south. Uh uh-uh. uh. It has to be turn right, or it has to be turn left. I she cannot get the north, south, east, west. And I, as many many times as I've tried to have a conversation with her, and it turns into that front seat discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's just not there, it's, it, you know. And she goes, "You know, I can't understand that. You can't tell me this. You got, yeah." You know. And I go, "All right, fine. Mapquest dot com. Right, that, right. That way you can get it anywhere you want it. Right. Uh, and, and so, and that's and that's the way it's basically resolved for her. And she gets around just fine with Mapquest. I mean, just mm-hmm. fine. Doesn't mm-hmm. have any problems whatsoever. Uh, aside from the fact that she's got to read the directions, uh, was, but nonetheless, um, I it's it's something that uh, as, as much empathy as I have for her, um, I don't understand it. I just don't understand. It. I've tried really hard to understand mm-hmm. it, but I, I don't understand it. Is it some? Is it a mechanism that's it's, not working, or what is it? It's something. It's a brain difference. Uh, uh-huh. <clears throat> excuse me. People. Some people have the ability to understand, sorry, where they are in space in relation to other things. And other people just don't have that ability. So the thing about north, south, east, and west is it's it's an idea of where things are in relation to other things. And they are permanent, and that's why they're useful. Because if you say go north, um, it doesn't matter which direction you're coming from, whether you would go right or left, you'll always go the same way if you go north. But for somebody who's directionally challenged, that concept is so difficult and so disturbing that they just don't want to deal with it. I have I have one friend who calls it, says to me, don't tell me, don't give me directions using the N-word and the S-word. You know, don't do that. I just don't want that. Mm-hmm. So, so you're right. People can get around with rights and lefts. They can get around with MapQuest directions unless something goes wrong. So, for example, if you're you know proceeding along with your Map MapQuest directions, uh, and there, there's the detour, there's the accident, there's um, some kind of situation where you can't go exactly the way you were planning, and you have to go another way. If you are directions are only in rights and lefts, and in fact you are approaching from another direction, those are going to be incorrect at that point. And and while they're simple and and it's easy to understand right and left, they're not always useful. Uh, We have an illustration in the book that shows um, how directions would differ with, with a nice little graphic. So for people who are directionally challenged, I like to walk them through that and, and show them that north, south, east, and west are always going to be there. Rights and lefts are um, going to vary. They're relative, and the, the north, south, east, west, also called cardinal directions, they're permanent. And so it's helpful to, to tame them and to try to um, get over your fear by learning what they're about, not just saying, yes, you should do this, it's a good thing to do, but, but there's a real good reason to do that. Well, I mean, there there are occasions, I must admit, when I have 
uh, bollocks the situation. And I don't like to admit it. I mean, I'll keep driving around in circles till I figure it out, uh, especially if Deborah's in the car with me. But uh, <laughs> there, there was there was a time I'll never forget this. Very early in our relationship, we were going to a friend's uh, retirement from the Marine Corps, and we were going to we were going to Twenty Nine Palms. Uh, which is a Marine Corps base, mm-hmm. and I and she says, "Well, you have to take this and you have to take that." She says, I said, "Okay, good, that's fine. I've got it, and here we go." And we're off, and we're going across ten, and I'm driving along, and I'm going out, and I'm heading towards basically back toward to Arizona, towards Arizona, and and she says, "Where are you going?" And I said, "I'm going to Thousand Palms." I said, she says, no, you're supposed to be going to 29 Palms. You passed the exit. You're going to be going to uh, 971 Palms too many. (laughs) (laughs) So we had that front front seat discussion all the way to 29 Palms, which was about another two-hour drive yet. Uh... And, And as we're starting to get to 29 Palms, I said, all right, that's enough. That horse is dead. It's glue. was our front seat discussion, and we still joke about it to this day, several that's, years later. That's a great but, story. But nonetheless, that's that's. Uh, I mean, I was I was the man. You know, a man never asks for directions. You know that. Of course I do. Of course but, I do. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, does, does anyone still get lost? I mean, I think. I mean, I'll be sarcastic and say it this way. I said, man, there's GPS. Why does anybody get lost anymore? Well, that's a great that's a great question, and I think now that we have GPS, it's it's a legitimate one. Um, the the short answer is everybody gets lost at times. Even you, as, as you've told yeah. us, with with a great sense of direction, things happen. Yes. Situations happen. Um, some of the signs and the maps and the directions that we have may not be perfect. Don't always give us great information. Um, and you know their their limitations. So let me let me tell you a, one story about about GPS. Um, I know people who feel so close to their GPS these days that they name them. Um, you know what does what does Francesca say? They might say, or will she be mad if we if we don't go exactly the way she's telling us? Recalculating that's what the GPS will say, and and GPS certainly has freed us up to jump into our cars and go even if we have no idea where we're going. Um, but the path of true GPS love doesn't always run smoothly. So take Catherine, for instance. As somebody who's really directionally challenged, she relies on her GPS. But one day, she was on a trip with her kids, and needed to go, they needed to go from their hotel outside Philadelphia on the, on the other coast um, to her aunt's home in New Jersey. Her son programmed the GPS, and off they went. It was kind of a, a dark and stormy night, not the best driving conditions. But they were confident that the GPS would get them there. And as they approached a bridge, they noticed signs that said the bridge was closed. So there, here's this you know, emergency situation. Uh-oh, they thought. So they turned around and tried another route, confident that the GPS would work. And what did good old Francesca, the GPS, do? Recalculating, she said, and then led them back to the same closed bridge. They did this four times, in the dark, in the rain, all to no avail. Now they were totally frustrated and late. Catherine didn't know what else to do, so she drove all the way back to her Philadelphia hotel and started all over again. She remembered reading 
directional sense and learning how maps could be useful. While she felt really intimidated by maps, which, which a lot of directionally challenged people do, the book explained how they give you the big picture. She felt kind of desperate at this point and didn't want the trip to her aunt's to be a total fiasco. So she got a map at the hotel and asked the front desk clerk to take a highlighter in you know nice bright color and actually highlight the route that, that she should take as, as directional sense suggested. She and her kids could then see that there was another bridge they could take across the river. Although they were really late um, and her aunt wasn't very happy, this time they made it and Catherine was inspired to take a look at a map before her next road trip just in case Francesca, the GPS, lets her down again. So so even these these devices that we think are... Um, always right. They know more than we do. You know, we really just follow what they say. Not always. They they do get people into trouble every now and then. And and the important thing is to have backup. You know, to have a backup system. If you're going to GP have a GPS, also bring along a set of directions. Also take a look at a map because something will uh, will often go wrong and and some. One of these of these cues will often fall short, and it's really a good idea to have another one in your pocket just in case. Well, it's also the case, and I know it primarily through uh, through MapQuest because uh, I, I do not have a G. Well, I, I take it back. I, I do have a GPS of sorts on my on my iPhone, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but on on MapQuest when Deborah gets the directions from MapQuest, she prints it out, she prints it out with the map, and I and I'll, sometimes I'll just read the directions and I'll go, well, that's not the most direct route, and I'll look at the map and go, Mm-mm-mm, that is not the most direct route. Right. Uh, and she says, I don't care, I know this one will get me there. And, mm-hmm. But the fact is, it doesn't always get you there because they can make a mistake too. They, they can. And, and they may not have a road closure. They may not have any number of things that are in your way that when you when you get to it, you still have to make uh, some decisions and you still have to take some kind of a detour. It's true. And also sometimes they go into, um, and this is true um, of you know GPS and, and MapQuest, sometimes they go into exquisite detail about taking an entrance ramp to, a, to an expressway, for example. Yeah, exactly. So, They'll give you the name of the uh, the service road, the distance that you go, all of that, which really um, most people can do that as long as the signs are pointing in the right direction and as long as they're paying attention to and following the signs. So I think you can get lost in the weeds um, sometimes with directions that are too explicit, even if you are directionally challenged. And And one of the things that that's a good idea is is not just to bring them up and print them out and grab them as you go but to to take a look like you did beforehand to say does this make sense and do i really need all this information or should i maybe put together a little bit of a shorthand version of this that may be easy easier to follow as i drive yeah well I, there's there there's a 
there's one thing that uh, I, I know for fact, and that is uh, here in in Phoenix, there is a uh, an interstate system or a freeway system that uh, circles the city, circles the county. Well, one a little more in inner circle, then there's an outer circle, then there's a uh, they're developing now a grand circle that's way out outside the limits of many cities. And as as I look at it, and I, if we're going from our place to somewhere in Scottsdale, uh, particularly old Scottsdale area. Uh, there's no way to get there. I mean, it's 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 around. It takes forever because if you're going at certain times, the traffic is hellacious and and so on and so forth. And there is no easy way to get from A to B uh, unless you go right through the middle of the city hmm. and you go down to a particular point. You take that road right straight across, and it actually ends up being faster to take the service roads. But people don't necessarily do that, nor do they fully understand that that really is the case because you can miss one of those turns and then you're in a part of the city where you may not want to be. Uh, so I guess uh, knowing your way around is 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 really uh, really a, a positive thing. But what does knowing your way around really mean? Well, it is a positive thing, and knowing your way around is is complicated as as finding your way is complicated. Uh the first part of it is knowing where you are. So if you just think about that if if you use your example of of going from your home to a destination, you know, through the city, you know, where are you starting? Okay? I'm starting at at my house. It's on this street. It's in this neighborhood. It's in this part of a of a place. Um then you want to know your destination. What is my destination called? What is its address? Where is it um, in relation to where I am? And then you want to do what you just described, Pete, which is which is to just you know find yourself a good route between your starting point and your destination. And your definition of what a good route is may vary. Um, for for Deborah, it might be a good route is one where I'm told what every step is along the way, and I don't have to think about it. That may be a good route. For you, it might be different. It might be I want to take the most direct route. Um, For somebody else, it might be I don't care if it's direct. I want it to be short. For somebody else, it might be I don't want there to be any tolls. So we all have different definitions of what a good route is, and there are, are usually choices about which way to go. And so that's why it's useful to, to understand that. Okay, so you've started, you know where you are, you know your destination, you're going to figure out and follow a good route to your destination, um, and then you're going to stay on it. And and sometimes that's easier said than done, too, because it's easy to, to, um, to get off sometimes. And then you want to be able to recognize your destination when you get there. You don't want, if your destination is outside, you don't want to just drive right on by and miss it. If your destination is inside, you don't want to want to walk past it. Uh, you want to be able to tell, yes, this is the place that I was looking for. So that's four steps. Know where you are, know your destination, follow the route, recognize the destination. But there's one more really important step, and that is finding your way back. And for some people, that is the trickiest part of all because they can get directions, they are energized, their adrenaline is flowing when when it's time to get somewhere. But when it's time to get back, it's harder 
it looks different, it may be later, it may be dark, um, it's, it's harder. And uh, another thing is, too, often the places where we're going, if, if there's some kind of um, a major destination, it may be listed on signs. So if you're going to a museum, there may be some signs directing you there. If you're going to a medical center, there may be H, this is the blue signs with the white H and the arrow directing you there. But if you're going back from the hospital or from the museum to your home, there aren't any signs directing you there. So so it's different. It's a different um, set of, of skills that you need in order to reverse routes and find your way back. So when you can do all those things, knowing where you are, knowing where you're going, following the route, recognizing the destination, and finding your way back, and you can do this automatically and effortlessly, then we say you know your way around. So you, you can hear that there are steps in this and there are also potential pitfalls um, that can, can mess you up along the way. Um, but for most people, um, I think directionally challenged people and, and people who have um, a great sense of direction, there are certain routes that you do know. So think about driving to the grocery store, for instance. You probably don't think about every street name or every turn because this is this is a route that you have driven so often that it becomes um, second nature. It's it's automatic. It's effortless. Even even people who are directionally challenged have routes that they know well. Um, it's when you're trying to get to a new place or an unfamiliar place that those five steps become harder uh, and you have to think through them and you have to figure out what to do and those are the kinds of things that that directional sense goes through and, and helps people learn how to do. Well, also, I think when you start talking about uh, identifying uh, things along the way. Uh, if you leave to go to a particular location and it might be sunrise and you're going, whether you're going in, in towards the sun or away from the sun, uh, and then you, you're coming back and you're coming back in sunset and here again it may be uh, into or out of the sun. The fact that the sun is low in the sky or high in the sky makes everything look completely different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it just changes everything. It changes uh, it changes shadows, uh, and and if if at all you are a little bit confused, I mean, I I know I I'll just I'll just look and say, well, where the heck's the sun now? And and that'll that'll help me figure it out right there. But I mean, it it can totally bollocks you up if you're not uh, if you're not prepared for that for that trip. Because yes, right. You're absolutely right. We had um, we're having some some kind of unusual, unseasonal, um, unseasonable weather um, in Michigan, where I am right now, where it's December, but it's been very, very warm. And because of that, because the air is warm and the ground is cool, we've had some thick, thick fog um, over the last couple of days. And I noticed I, w I went on the on the highway, drove on the highway, and, and these are routes that I myself drive all the time and I do know well, but I noticed that the fog completely blocked the signs so that for somebody who was driving this route who didn't know it well and who really needed some advance cue 
about where they should turn and what's coming up and what's the name of the route, the the fog just blocked that. And and usual our, during our usual weather in December, which would be snow, that could of course do the same thing. Uh, now I know you don't have snow where you are, but but there are um, I think your point about darkness um, or rain or you know any unusual weather condition um, can really really make a difference. Well, being from Michigan myself, one of the I've only been back there a few times in the last thirty some years, but nonetheless I've been back there in the winter when it was snowing, and I've been back there in the fall when it was raining, uh, and I've been back there in the summertime when it has been nice, and I can still remember where the main roads go. I mean, I know where Grand River is, and I know where ninety six is, and ninety four. Yeah, and I know a lot of that seventy five and Telegraph Road, and I know where a lot of those things are. But they have changed, and right. I can, and I can go cruising right, and I did. I said, well, I'm going to go get on this road, and I'm going to go to that point, and I'm going to make it left at that street, and I'm going to go where I want to go. And then, but I when I get there, I go, wow, this isn't anything that I remember when I was 12 and 13 and 16 years old driving around here, 18 years old driving around here. It's changed so much that uh, I couldn't calculate that in. Yes, and, you. That is absolutely, absolutely true. And I think that change is something that the boomers in in your audience are familiar with because I think if you have um, been around long enough, you have seen places that you did know well uh, change, and that is literally and figuratively disorienting. Um, let me let me tell you a, a little story about that. Um, I knew somebody named uh, Maria, uh, whose mother was in the hospital. And Maria was really worried, uh, kind of beside herself with worry. Um, and her family had always gone to the same community hospital and knew it really well. But over the years, while the hospital added whole new buildings and wings, it had morphed into a full-blown medical center. Now Maria no longer knew where anything was, and she felt unsure about finding her way during her mom's stay. On top of that, Maria is secretly directionally challenged and changes to places that she once knew well always throw her off her game. Sure enough, she got more turned around than she thought she would and she couldn't figure out where to park. She she couldn't figure out where to enter. She took the wrong elevator and she even ended up on the wrong floor. And she never mentioned any of this to her mother because she was embarrassed about it, but her mother did notice that Maria seemed kind of out of sorts during her visit. Well, fortunately, her mom got better, uh, and Maria no longer needed to find her way around the medical center. Uh, and she promised herself that she'd try to do something to get better at this navigation business. And after a little online searching, she came across um, our book, Directional Sense. And she read it and learned what she could do to make this, you know, these hospital visits less of a rat in a maze kind of experience. And sure enough, a few months after that, her dad had a heart attack, and back she went to the medical center. But this time, Maria knew what to do. Um, Directional Sense taught her to do some wayfinding homework in advance. So she found out and and wrote down, and that's, that's a really important part, wrote down which garage to park in, which entrance she should use, which of the many elevators, she should take, uh, and even how to retrace her steps after she left her mom, or her dad's room in this case, and, and uh, was trying to get back. 
she also observed and wrote down the location of her car in the garage. She was grateful not to add wayfinding stress to her worries about her dad. So I, I think that issue, Pete, is about um, you know how do you go, how do you find your way in the grocery store that's decided to put you know your favorite cereal in a different place and you can't find it, or you go into the um, the shopping mall and and the department store has done a major renovation and you know you're zigging when you thought you should be zagging and you can't find uh, the cosmetics counter anymore. Uh, it's it's really it's disturbing and and I think it makes us wonder are they intentionally trying to confuse us? Well, sometimes I think they are. And that way, and I'm, I'm serious. I mean, it's a marketing ploy. That way, they get you to go up and down more aisles looking for what you want to find, <clears throat> and they're figuring you're going to put extra things in your basket that you said, oh, maybe I should have this. Uh, I sometimes I think there's a certain element of that involved because there is, as you know, there are certain reasons why the milk is always in the back and the eggs are in the far back right corner, all the way back away from the cash registers and the exit. Right. And there's, and there's reasons why the deli's over where it is, and it, I mean, they, these are all. Uh, psychological, psychographic type uh, layouts, and, and they are done by professionals in that field uh, to help increase sales. And uh, there, there's a certain element of that that I do firmly believe is is for the purpose of uh, of uh, of business, uh, increasing business. Uh, there's a there's a place there in Michigan that I'm familiar with uh, somewhat from my days having been there in the past, and recently, not that not like yesterday, but I mean several years ago, uh, my niece was in the uh, University of Michigan Medical Center, and she was uh, there for some some severe bone marrow transplant type stuff, and uh, I my mother and I went up there to visit with her and my sister, and um, the parking garage is just about one of the craziest parking garages at the University of Michigan. <laughs> I mean, you've got to know what level to, to park at and what door to go in and out, because otherwise you're in the, you're in the wrong place completely. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. I think parking brings many people to their knees. Uh, I, I think people have... have Almost a universal difficulty um, navigating both the you know people I'd call wayfinding whizzes like you and and directionally challenged people um, really have have trouble with that. Um, I I have a story about um, somebody in um, not in a hospital parking garage but an airport parking garage. Oh, sure. Um, this is this is a woman named Juliana who lives in in Washington. D.C., but she was driving to pick her sister, uh, Jill, up at uh, Baltimore-Washington International uh, Airport, BWI, um, and that whole area was less familiar to her. She she uh, didn't go there as often, and she was running late, um, and she misjudged how bad the rush hour traffic would be. Of course, that's easy to do. It's sometimes worse than you think it's going to be. So she felt really frazzled by the time she got there, even though her her GPS um, had led her correctly. And although she she's pretty directionally challenged, she found the airport parking garage. She was very proud of herself for that. She dropped her car. She ran to the shuttle bus, got to the airport, where her sister, of course, was annoyed, as sisters will be, uh, to have been waiting for quite a while. So they made their way back on the shuttle bus, 
um, and then to the garage, and then Juliana led the way to the car. Uh, but it wasn't where she thought she'd left it. Her sister Jill rolled her eyes at Juliana um, and her directional challenges, thinking, oh, there she goes again. Um, and after walking in circles for what seemed like a really long time, they threw themselves on the mercy of a garage attendant who, who drove them around trying to find their car um, and drove them around and drove them around some more, um, and they still couldn't find it. Um, Juliana was really frustrated and furious at herself, but they still couldn't find the car. So finally, the attendant asked her if she was sure she was in the right garage. Oh, my gosh. What? She said, isn't there only one? Oh, no. The attendant said, there are two, an hourly garage and a daily garage. Your car must be in the other one, which, of course, it was. So Jill gave Juliana a copy of Directional Sense for her next birthday, and Juliana learned to pay attention to and even write down, there's that, writing down again, which garage or which parking lot she is in, as well as the section, floor, and space where she's left her car. So I think your experience at at the University of Michigan Medical Center garage and this experience at the BWI garage and it, it's repeated countless times um, across our country and I'm sure in other countries uh, as people, you know, leave their car in a big, confusing, um, circuitous place. They they go out, they do, you know, what they're going to do, they come back and it, it doesn't look the same and they really have no sense of where it is without, unless they have, have written down where they are. So I think it's a very, your experience is really a common one. Well, it was interesting that we're having this conversation today because just this morning I went to a local Safeway store here to pick up some juice and get back before I did the show. And as I'm walking into the store, a gentleman comes hot-stepping up to where the Salvation Army bell ringer was and says, somebody stole my damn truck, somebody stole my truck. Ah. And, and and we look around and we're looking and, he's, and he goes down and says, oh, no, there it is. And he was obviously in a different row. Yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking to myself, wow, I'll bring that up today. Yeah, it's true. And I'm embarrassed to tell you that that, that has happened to me, too. That has happened to me, too. And and I find the most confusing parking situations are not necessarily parking garages because I do follow my own advice and, and write things down and, and remember. It is when I park in the same place repeatedly. So for example at the at the gym where I go, um I, I go there very frequently and it's really hard for me to remember where I parked today as where I where I parked yesterday. Um, so I think it's those kinds of places or it, I, the, the place where I actually did call the police and report a stolen car was was parking on side streets by the office where I used to work. Um, so I think I think it's hard. I think if you're going to a place and, and it's unusual and you don't go there often, it, it, it's easier to, to pay attention to that. But if it's something that you do routinely, it's hard. Um, to remember those those specifics. So again, I, I encourage your listeners to um, to write write these things down, even if you think, oh God, I'm sure I can remember that. But but uh, there are a lot of things that we have on our minds, and sometimes 
finding our cars or or uh, other things aren't uh, at the top. Well, Deborah has a, a technique that she uses when she pulls uh, into a spot and she gets out. She starts walking toward the store. She looks. She notices on the store, for instance, on the name of the store. She says, "Okay, I'm on the row that is right adjacent to the letter I in the name of the store," and she knows that that's the row she's in. And then it, it aside from L12 or something like that, she says, "I'm down the row with the letter I in the name of." whatever the name of the store is. But I've got one parking garage story that happened to me. It was amazing. It was many years ago. I parked uh, in in an underground garage, and I went about my business and so on and so forth, and I came back, and I couldn't find my car, and I was panicked. I couldn't find my car. And I just looked, and I looked, and I looked, and I looked, and I finally I said, my car's been stolen. And the guy went to the security people, and they say, well, no, it's probably a reason. No, my car, uh, it has to have been stolen. And lo and behold, it had been stolen. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't want to believe you because people lost because, their cars so often that exactly. that's what they were used to, right? Exactly, exactly. So anyhow, uh, it was it, it was it was interesting. Uh, we finally found it, I think, a day or so later, with somebody had burned out the transmission and taken uh, all the stuff out. But we, but we found it. Uh, uh, but it, it had been stolen. Uh, wow. What's the difference between a sense of direction and directional sense? Well, a, a sense of direction, um, and that's the term that, that people often use. You know, I have a good sense of direction. You have a bad sense of direction. That means an innate ability. It's something that we think of, um, like you described your father being born with a great sense of direction or uh, sense of direction or Deborah being born with, with a not very good sense of direction. Whereas directional sense, refers to this ability to to find our way um, as its learned skills, as well as our attitudes, how we think about it, our behaviors, what we do about it. And it requires actual commitment and, and practice. So, you know, little babies, when they're born, don't automatically know how to use MapQuest. They don't automatically know how to follow signs or read a map. Um, those are things that you need to learn how to do, and our our book, Directional Sense, goes through the six skills that everybody needs to learn and know to find their way around. Um, these include, it, it starts with the words and the numbers. Um, you know, what are things called? Um, if I tell you that you have an appointment in otorhinolaryngology, are you going to know what that means and, and where to go? What was that um, word? Otorhinolaryngology. Auto-rhinolaryngology. It's, okay. it's, it's a word that refers to ear, nose, and throat. Uh, well, I got, I kind of got that because I mean, I'm thinking rhinoplasty. Right, right. Okay. But there's there's some words like that that are are long and confusing or technical. There are a lot of abbreviations that are used. Um, there are acronyms. There's there's a term used in in healthcare called human information management. Okay, well, I know what human means. I know what information means. I know what management means. But what, is, what do they mean together? Um, well, it's, it's a, a term that's now used um, to, um, for medical records. Okay, so there, there are terms that come into, or an, another one that's used in hospitals is, uh, the acronym is PACU, P-A-C-U. It stands for Post-Anesthesia Care Unit. Um, it's what we used to refer to as a recovery area. 
so so there are there are words that are used in places where you'll go um and you'll need to know these words in order to to find your way but sometimes the words are confusing and difficult and that's that's one of the things that directional sense talks about uh another one is understanding spatial layouts that the, that was the the skill that we talked about when you were able to figure out which road to go on when you didn't know and the and the um person I talked about was able to do that too because you you had the big picture you could understand where you were even if you didn't know that specific place in a pinch you could figure out how things were connected so that's the second the second skill the third one is reading maps understanding how to use a map as a as a tool uh and how to um, orient the map in the same direction that you're going so that it's easier to follow. Uh, the fourth skill is following signs. Uh, we all think, oh, yeah, I can just follow the signs. It'll be fine. But it's not always easy to do that. Sometimes they um, don't direct you as completely as you would like. Sometimes you can't find them. Sometimes the information isn't up to date. So there are certain um, skills that you need to know and tricks that you need to know in order to be able to follow signs effectively. Um, another of the of the wayfinding skills that directional sense talks about is asking directions. Uh, it's not necessarily obvious how to ask and remember and follow directions, but that's something that that's really important too. Um, and the sixth skill has to do with recognizing landmarks, and that's that's something that people can use both when they're outside. Those are the kinds of landmarks we usually think about, you know, like famous landmarks like the Eiffel Tower or the Washington Monument or the Coit Tower. Um, but there are also landmarks that we can use inside. And so those are ones that can really um, help people navigate. Um, so let, let me just tell you a story about about um, directions and, and landmarks. And this was... was um, a friend of mine named Pete, um, and he was doing. He was living in um, the Middle East. He was an American Foreign Service officer, and he just moved to the Middle East. And he was taking his daughter to school uh, for her first day, and he knew the name and address of the school, but he couldn't find directions on its website, or he couldn't see it on a map. Um, and that the area where he was had no street signs, no street addresses. So he figured the best thing he could do would be to ask directions along the way. So he, he stopped outside a cafe, and he asked the owner for directions to the school. Um, and, the, and the owner said, oh, no problem. Here's what you do. You just go to the pasture with the old horse. Then you turn left at the big tree, and you pass the corner where the apartment building used to be. <laughs> so uh, being a real diplomat, uh, Pete, Thank the man politely, uh, but of course, since he was a newcomer, those directions weren't you know very helpful to him. So he went on to ask again and again uh, until he and his daughter managed to make their way, kind of meandering, uh, to the school. Um, a well-meaning friend had given Pete a copy of our book, Directional Sense, uh, as a going-away present, and he came upon it uh, as he unpacked. He he was especially taken with this chapter on landmarks and learned the difference between famous landmarks local landmarks and personal landmarks and 
as common is common in a place with no signs and addresses, the cafe owner had used local landmarks when when he gave Pete directions. And once Pete understood this, he made a big point of learning the local landmarks and expected directions to be given this way. And indeed, they were. And and that way, he could he could make um, good use of it. So so directional sense taught him that that the directions you want and the directions you get may be two different things, and you really have to have to be alert and and on the lookout for for how people are giving you directions too. Reminds me of the two guys that were out fishing and and they're out in the middle of the lake in a boat fishing, and they're landing fish one after another. They just can't they just cannot put the hook in without getting more fish. And one guy says, "Oh man, we got to come back here tomorrow. We got to come back tomorrow." And the other guy pulls out a piece of chalk and put an X in the bottom of the boat. <laughs> the first guy looks at him and says, "You idiot! What happens if we don't get the same boat tomorrow?" <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> exactly. That's great. That's what your sign. That's what your story reminded me about right. the cow, the cow in the tree, and <laughs> right. and the and the building that's not there anymore. And, uh, and right, yeah, yeah. Uh, do as as we get older, as as we get more boomerfied <laughs> and beyond, uh, do we have more trouble finding our way around? Well, I'd like to say no, but I think uh, it's pretty obvious that that we do. Um, I think that as our vision changes, as our hearing becomes less acute, as it now for some people reflexes are slower, and for many people memory uh, is not what it once was. I think all those things are part of finding your way around, and as they change, it becomes harder to to navigate. Um, I also think that. Oftentimes, especially when when you're driving, you have to make decisions really quickly. Um, that that information comes at you quickly, even on a on a GPS or with signs or with somebody even giving you directions from the from the front seat. And um, your ability to process information um, can you know, diminish uh, with age. So I think I think those are challenges that we need to be aware of and. Um, compensate compensate for. Um, I also think that there is um, some degree of a of a technology gap um, with some people between what the the technology that they are comfortable using and the technology their kids and their grandkids use. Um, so when people ask a question, sometimes I notice you know my kids just pull out the phone. You know they just pull it out and get the answer to the question. If it's a directional question, fine. If it's another kind of question, fine. Um, whereas my response is not necessarily to do that first. So I think, I think there, are, there are differences. And there's another, another difference, too. And I, I um, have a story about somebody named Rose who is um, a widow, um, and her husband had always done the driving. And I think something else that happens often when people get older is is they may lose a spouse and the all the things that the spouse did they need to they need to do themselves. So in the past for Rose when when they went anywhere he did the driving, she'd look out the window, he did all the navigating and and they got there just fine. Um but since he passed away, she she learned that being a widow that she had to do a lot of things on her own um and this 
you know, driving, navigating business uh, came especially hard to her. Um, she'd been to lots of places, um, friends' homes, library, theater, a million times. <laughs> Why couldn't she just get herself there? So when when she lost her husband, a lot of people um, gave her self various kinds of self help books and. One of the books she she got was a was a bright yellow copy of of Directional Sense, and she thought one day, well, I just can't read another boring book on personal finance, so I'll try this book, um, and she dug in, and she was amazed to discover that that having trouble navigating, is really hard for a lot of people. Um, she she didn't know that she she thought it was just her, um, and she didn't know there were specific steps that she could take to make it easier. One of the things she learned was that it was important simply to pay attention to wayfinding, which, because her husband had driven and her husband had done all the navigating, she never needed to do in the past. Um, and something else that, that he did, she didn't even know this, was that he figured out what signs meant. Um, she she didn't know how to do this. And never in her whole life had she handled a map um, but on a road trip to visit her daughter and grandkids, um, Directional Sense gave her the kind of the courage and, and the step-by-step instructions to use a map. And she felt really proud to be learning something new and so important at this stage of life. So I, I think even though wayfinding gets harder for people as they get older, uh, there is absolutely nothing preventing people from learning new things. And if this is a new thing or if this is something that um, isn't, doesn't come easy to you or you feel that you used to be able to do it well and your skills are kind of rusty now, um, Directional Sense can help you um, relearn it or learn it anew and go through step-by-step and figure out how to do these things that you thought were really hard or, or just mysterious. Well, I, I think uh, we're, we're well. We are down to the short rows here, as far as uh, this conversation is concerned. But I, I just want to kind of throw this out and tell me what you think. If, if in the event that you find that you are lost, uh, the the secret might be uh, to stop wherever you're going or what you're doing, pull off, or step aside. Don't panic, and try to sort it through, possibly, or Ask for help. Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, uh, just swallow your pride and ask for help. Especially you guys out there that that we all think we know all all and everything about getting someplace. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, there there's probably not too much need to panic uh, if you can just keep your wits about you and 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 pull over and ask for some help or reason it reason it out. I agree, and and also as as we've said um, throughout this program, everybody gets lost. Everybody has gotten lost, even if they pretend that they never have. It's 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 common, and people understand it, and people will usually try to help. Uh, but a couple things to to keep in mind is so that you don't get yourself in that situation in the first place is to prepare before um, taking any kind of of a journey long or short, inside or outside, um, to do some of your wayfinding homework, to personalize your directions, and to pay attention to wayfinding as you go, including minimizing distractions um, that are, are are so common these days. Sure. 
Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, Jan, we're we're down here. Uh, like I said, to the short rows. Uh, I always like to give our guests an opportunity to give their what we call their shameless self promotion. <laughs> uh, so, oh, what, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, if you have, to, right. I have to. But if you don't mind, go ahead and. Uh, uh, tell everybody about uh, where they can get your information, how they can get hold of you, if there's anything that you do with regard to stuff online and so on and so forth. Uh, now's the time to let us know. Okay, thanks. Uh, our book is called Directional Sense, How to Find Your Way Around, and it's available on Amazon.com. And we have a new website going up uh, quite shortly called DirectionalSense.com. And on there, there will be um, a blog and information. Um, I do speaking and um, various kinds of consulting, and there will be information about that, too. And your your business, uh, what is the name of your, your business for uh, some of the things that you do there? Um, our business name is Carpman, my last name, Grant, my partner's last name, Associates, Wayfinding Consultants. And our website is wayfinding.com. We work with large, complicated places like medical centers, museums, colleges and universities, and even parking garages uh, to make it easier for everybody to navigate, especially unfamiliar first-time um, visitors. So, um, we, and we also work with architects and all kinds of designers to create places that are easy for unfamiliar people to navigate. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you very much, Jan, for being my guest today. I certainly do appreciate it, and a very interesting conversation. And uh, I'll admit right here that every now and then I've been known to be lost, but only for a very short period of time. Oh, I'm sure that's true. Thank you, Pete. I really (laughs) enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me as a guest. Thank you. Take care now. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Uh, This has been a conversation with Ms. Jan Karpman, author of the book Directional Sense, How to Find Your Way Around. very knowledgeable in what it is that she uh, uh, is written about and obviously uh, very helpful also. So if you have a directional difficulty, uh, pick up the book, uh, contact her possibly. If there's something that she might be able to help you with, uh, contact her on our website as well. So with that, we'll say have a great day, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this show. We'll be back again next week with more Boomer and the Babe shows and also some more Arizona Boomer radio for our Arizona friends. And uh, we hope you will be able to join us as well. Take care. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. And talk to you real soon. Take care now. You've been listening to the Boom and the Babe Show, where we bring interesting conversations to the world. Be sure to follow us on Twitter where we tweet as Boomer and Babe and on Facebook as Pete Peters 47. As always, you can friend us on Blog Talk Radio or sign up for our newsletter at boomerandthebabe.com. Email us at host at boomerandthebabe.com with any of your comments. Remember, at 50, you're just getting started. 